Welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined Monday night at halftime live by you for the Week 9 Waiver Wire column. Always live for you on Monday afternoon at 444.com, where we have the drop list to start, not to mention our top 10 overall rankings for every single position, and then, of course, every single position prioritized. Before we begin, reminder, if you are listening to this Monday night, our Halloween sale, 75% off because corporate went absolutely bonkers on candy corn for the holidays. 75% off any sub of your choosing, any sub you wish, the entire package perhaps, through Halloween evening. If you're listening to this Tuesday morning and sneak into my DMs at NotJDiggle on Twitter, we can probably help you out too. But listening live, 75% off right now through midnight, any sub you wish. Also, reminder that this show is brought to you by Sleeper, one of the fastest growing customizable fantasy flat, plat, fantasy football platforms in the industry. It's not fat, but it is there. And they do have very good players that we can have fat stacks if we pick them up. And that leads me to our Sleeper waiver wire pickup of the week. None other than Isaiah Likely assuming Mark Andrews, who suffered a shoulder injury last Thursday, is ruled out. Remember, the Ravens have one single game in the next 21 days, Monday night against the Saints. They have no reason to throw everyone out there if they are at 50%, knowing they can go on by in week 10 and return with Gus Edwards, even Rashad Bateman, if he's eligible to come back, and more importantly, Mark Andrews at full health. And so, touch and go here. But Isaiah likely, we know since debuting in the preseason, if he's eligible to start for Mark Andrews, a 76% catch rate on 37 targets since the preseason. 8.7 yards per target, 11.5 yards per catch, and 2.1 yards per route run. Going back to his route since the preseason has actually averaged an elite 24.1% target per route run rate. So if likely is starting, we also want to start likely as genuinely a top five tight end for week nine. This of course comes down to Monday. We have to follow the tea leaves, follow the news and see what happens with Mark Andrews on Monday night, assuming he just isn't ruled out by Saturday. But if Mark Andrews is out, Isaiah likely, in my opinion, is a top five tight end. A deeper pickup though, the sleeper of the week, if you will, because six teams are on by and we're all scrambling to fill slots in our lineups this week. And I think KJ Osborne can help you do that because what we've seen from KJ Osborne, assuming Adam Thielen's bruised knee keeps him sidelined, is that Osborne has averaged five and a half targets in nine career games. He's logged 80% of the snaps in. The Vikings still have a top five pass play rate from 11 personnel and Regardless of Adam Thielen's status, given that Irv Smith is battling a high ankle sprain and may not be available in this game or the next few weeks anyhow, that might lead to Osborne having ample opportunity regardless of Thielen being out there. Two good matchups as well for Osborne coming up, pending Thielen and Irv Smith's status, given that it's the Commanders in Week 9, Six teams on by. We need someone to play. Commanders, of course, allowing a top seven rate of yards per snap to opposing boundary receivers where Osborne would play in place of Thielen. And then in two weeks' time, against in week 10 against the Bills, 
Tough matchup, yes, but inevitable negative game script abound. So I want KJ Osborne, most importantly for week nine, but maybe we get there in week 10 having to use him as a wide receiver three, four option as well. Reminder, head to sleeper.com or download the latest app to pick up both Isaiah Likely for Monday night and KJ Osborne for this week today. Let's get into Isaiah Pacheco's status because, again, six teams on by. I know a lot of you are left scrambling. What we have is Isaiah Pacheco's start prior to Kansas City's bye week that did leave a lot to be desired. Pacheco outcarried Clyde Edwards later 8 to 6, but still failed to record a single target in the passing game. Jarrett McKinnon also saw three targets as a team's third down option. So, not really a role you would want for a starter especially in a three-headed timeshare. But it has been 14 days, a full two weeks removed since Pacheco's first start. And we also know Andy Pacheco, Andy Reid reportedly sat down with Eric Bieniemy, and they had a discussion on how they can, quote-unquote, get more than 10 reps in a game for Pacheco and feel good about it. Pacheco's short-term outlook in this matchup in particular is volatile, given that we don't know what that, increased role if it even exists entails also remember the titans are allowing a league low fantasy points per game to opposing running backs because teams can throw on will teams minus the texans can throw at will against them so you don't really need to run a ball against the titans but if pacheco's going to have a larger role and we're in a pinch in week nine not only do i not mind picking up and flexing him hoping fingers crossed, wish-casting him into a larger role given the tea leaves. I also want to splurge a little more fab on him, thinking we may get a 12-15 to touch running back starting with Patrick Mahomes for the fantasy playoffs. So whether or not I need him for Week 9, even though he is viable for Week 9, I'm wagering fab on him anyhow, thinking I might get a long-term value at his cheapest point of the year. Another option... If you need a starter at running back, I think James Cook is viable because what we've seen now is Zach Moss get healthy scratched around the bye in two consecutive games for the Bills. And that most recent healthy scratch this past week led to James Cook handling his most touches, six, and highest share of backfield touches, 28%, since week two. And you might say just six touches, The Bills built a big lead against the Packers on Sunday night. They ran him out there in garbage time. But three of his six touches did come on the same drive in the second quarter. And given that they're playing the Jets and they are double-digit favorites, we can assume safely it's going to be double-digit score game script, positive game script for the Bills, thus leaving ample time and more opportunity for James Cook, especially in the second half. That's the logic we're using. So with six teams on by, I think James Cook does pop as an RB3-4 if we are desperate to get out there immediately. Josh Palmer, remember, had a concussion going into the bye, but we're now 14 days removed, and he's reportedly at least participating in individual drills. And assuming he's clear from the concussion protocol and he's good to go, Not only did we see Keenan Allen not participate in individual drills to open the week, oddly enough, with his hamstring injury, we know Mike Williams is going to be out 
the next four to six games with his high ankle sprain. And we also know Palmer last year in his only start alongside Keenan Allen in place of Mike Williams from the boundary did record a 17% target share and five catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. With Mike Williams definitely out, Gerald Everett banged up, and Keenan Allen's status pending for six bye weeks. Josh Palmer, absolutely a wide receiver three for a Chargers offense still averaging 48 pass attempts per game. We at least know we'll get the volume, and that's something worth chasing, given that we're trying to plug holes in our lineups. Let's get to a few deep cuts because Tyler Conklin, the conk daddy, returned to our lives as a legitimate low-end tight end one the past two games, averaging eight targets per contest with a 23.5% target share and a team-high four end zone targets. Maybe that's because Corey Davis has been banged up or out altogether. Davis, of course, was out this past game. But Conklin still, unlike weeks five and six when he was running fewer routes than C.G. Ozoma, has run a route on 75% of the team's dropbacks these past two games. So given that negative game script we talked about against the Bills upcoming, I think Conklin is at least a viable low-end tight end one with volume. And with six teams on by, that's good enough for me. Demarcus Robinson is also a deep option because we know Rashad Bateman is going to miss reportedly a few weeks. And Robinson stepped into that role from the boundary this past game and recorded a team-high eight targets, a 21% target share in the interim. I understand the Saints shut out the Raiders, but I'm willing to chalk that week week eight performance up to the Raiders' failure on offense and not the Saints shutting down the Raiders since the month prior. The Saints were allowing 33 points per game, and more importantly, a top five rate of yards per target to opposing boundary receivers where Demarcus Robinson will play indoors on Monday night before Baltimore's bye. Demarcus Robinson, wide receiver three or four for 12-team leagues that have 10-player benches and, again, have left us in a pinch. Another player I think we can use in a pinch is Kenyon Drake. Gus Edwards' hamstring injury has left him day-to-day, so we are not going to be sure of his status, most likely, until Monday afternoon. But with 22 touches to Justice Hill 9 the past two weeks, we should expect Kenyon Drake to, at the very least, lead the Ravens' backfield and carries, targets, and overall touches, assuming Gus Edwards is out. So if that's the case again, Kenyon Drake comes back into our lives as an RB3 in a much better spot than expected, again, given New Orleans' most recency biased performance against the Raiders. Naheem Hines was put on the trading block. But even more to the point, Jonathan Taylor re-aggravated his ankle sprain and is going to be touch and go throughout the week. We've already seen what Deion Jackson can do as an RB1 just a couple of weeks ago with both Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines is out. So now is that there's this opportunity, if Taylor is inactive in week nine, Deion Jackson, who's only played seven snaps the past two games behind both these two players. But Deion Jackson is available now in a committee with Naheem Hines. Not only that, if Naheem Hines is traded before the November 3rd trade deadline and Jonathan Taylor's ruled out, we have RB1 Deion Jackson all to ourselves yet again. And arguably, this is the cheapest Deion Jackson will be 
since Naeem Hines, who may not get traded, has still yet to be traded. It is sort of worrisome that Sam Ellinger targeted the team's running backs on just 13%, 12.9% of his targets compared to Matt Ryan's 25% target share to Indy's running backs. But at the same time, we've seen in the past Deion Jackson is a player who earns targets. And if Jonathan Taylor's out, if Naheem has his traded, Deion Jackson is a player we should absolutely nab off waiver wires to perhaps not only start in week nine, but get him for the fantasy playoffs long term. I know the results have not been sexy for Foster Moreau, but if you look at what's happened in Las Vegas' tight ends room the past two games without Darren Waller still struggling to return from that hamstring injury, you have Foster Moreau running 62 routes the past two weeks on Derek Carr's 73 dropbacks. And the only other tight end to run a route in that span for the Raiders, Jesper Horstead, has totaled two routes. This is only Foster Moreau's tight ends room for as long as Darren Waller is sidelined. Darren Waller, of course, who has yet to practice since initially suffering that injury two weeks ago. And that's good enough for me to go back to Moreau, assuming in week nine, Darren Waller is again ruled out. And finally, Terrace Marshall, for whatever reason, has popped back up. And we've now seen since Robbie Anderson was kicked off the field back into the locker room the past three games, Terrace Marshall's target share has increased in every week, 4.7%, 13.5%, and then last week a season-high 25% target share against the Falcons from P.J. Walker. 12 targets for Terrace Marshall in the last two games alone. Also has a 16-yard depth of target in the past two weeks to go along with this sudden 25% target share from week eight. So although it may be an admiration, aberration, that's something worth chasing given his A dot and volume. With again, the theme of the story, six teams on by. Reminder the waiver wire column is up at 44.com. And if you don't have access to it, that's your own fault because you still can get 75% off through Halloween evening to read it. And it will be updated as well for all the ongoing injuries and news through Wednesday. We will be back with a preview show for week nine, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern live on YouTube. Be there. But until then, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you then.